Welcome to Mortgage Broker Acceleration with James Vagley and Ash Playstead. Being a successful mortgage broker is not just about offering great rates and great service. You need to become the best marketer, leader and strategist to outthink your competition. If you want to grow your mortgage business and do it smarter, keep listening. If you want to accelerate even faster, visit www.brokerworkshop.com. That's brokerworkshop.com. Now, let's accelerate. Here's James and Ash. Hey, everybody. It's James Vagley, and welcome to another episode of the MBA podcast, Mortgage Broker Acceleration. Ash, how are you doing? Yeah, doing really well, James. And uh, yeah, particularly uh, looking forward to this episode where we get to um, examine a success story, a case study of, of one of our members. Me too, Ash. I love the case studies. This one, listeners, is called the One Touch Broker. Uh, it's based on one of our members, Sam. And uh, when you guys listen to this, I mean, who wouldn't want the situation where you've built an amazing system and team to the point where you can do a 10 to 15-minute phone call with a prospective client and hang up the phone and the rest of the process is fully handled by other people and you barely need to get involved. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it, Ash? Oh, yeah. I would say that's uh, living the dream for all of our listeners and uh, it is absolutely possible. It is. It is. And we'd like to deconstruct and talk about what Sam did to get to the point where he was virtually not required in the loan process. And actually now, Ash, uh, I think he's basically got to the point where he's not really required or involved in his mortgage business at all. And it all stems from the same strategy. And before we get into that strategy, listeners, just a little bit of a tease, Ash, before we get into the good stuff, uh, let's talk about what we even mean by the one-touch broker. Because I've seen this happen in a number of mortgage businesses Usually, Ash, the best mortgage businesses I've seen have been one-touch style businesses where the key, let's call it loan writer, rainmaker, mortgage broker, whatever you'd like to call them, they have set up their system and their flow and their team such that they can sit with a client, whether it's for 10 minutes or an hour, do their meeting and the rest of the system or the machine takes care of things. Uh, I've, I've seen this with some of the top mortgage brokers in the country, Ash. Um, mm. We've seen it with Sam. And it really is the ultimate place to get to. It's what we teach every day with our uh, building of a machine and a conveyor belt and a team. And I guess we just wanted to reinforce the value of doing it with using Sam's case study. So let's get into it. Yeah, look, absolutely, James. And look, listeners, I mean, Sam is one example of many people that we, we work with that's um, gone through this process and achieved a great outcome. So let's go backwards a little bit, right? So, you know, when, when Sam started, um, you know, he, he came into uh, uh, our program um, pretty much heavily involved in everything. Um, and the very first step was to strategically work out where he wanted to be at a point in the future, a year to two down the track. You know, I only want to be involved 
in this part of the business and ultimately then potentially take myself even out of that part of the business. So we became very clear up front that I want to get off the tools, so to speak, or as I might say metaphorically, off the off the uh, battlefield and, and into the war room. So that was Sam's agenda. That was his mission. And our role working with him was to map out strategically and implementation-wise, step-by-step-by-step on what's got to be done to get there. Um, so that was the starting point. So for anybody listening to this going, well, okay, that's me, and was there something special about Sam, or did, it, was it, did he have some ninja skill that meant he was a bit of a unicorn? No, not really. He was just a good guy who was, you know, a, a good broker uh, who had w- worked out what he wanted in life was to have a business that worked ultimately without him, which is where he's at now. But at the time, he was involved in every facet of the business, um, but was clear about where he wanted to get to. Wasn't necessarily clear, James, about what the next phase of his life might look like with the business that he made a profit out of that he didn't need to be involved in. That wasn't his concern too much. What his concern was, I want to get there first. Then when I get there and I've got this time and business model, um, you know, we'll see what my next adventure looks like. Um, so that was that was the starting point to to work out where he wanted to get to, and then where am I now, and what's the gap look like? How do how do we fix this gap? Exactly. I mean, it all has to start with a goal and a plan. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up because, as with everything we do, it's not necessarily about diving straight in and doing stuff. It's about making sure that. We, that is the goal. Is the goal to become a one-touch broker or is your goal, you know, our listeners, something else? Because everybody's goal is slightly different. So you need to map out and be super clear on your goal, as Ash said. And from that super specific custom goal, then you can get a customized plan because without those two things, you are just trying to copy other people, which is, as we know, Ash, a bit of a, it's a disaster to try and uh, copy others and see what other top brokers are doing and think that that's what you should do too. That's usually a big mistake. So once we've set that in stone, which is the first place to start, then I guess I wrote down three things, Ash, you know, about the one touch broker. It's, I mean, going from the point of a successful broker who's deeply involved in the business to the one touch broker system, it's, Stuff we teach and have probably covered in a lot of podcasts, it's, right, you need to get everything out of your head and into a process and into a flow. And that's what Sam did. It was, he would have gone, right, what do I need to do in this business to produce happy clients and loans? A bit like a production line, a factory. You know, mapping out the loan process, mapping out what tasks need to be done and when and from there, it's for him was about making sure that loan process and tasks were so well systemized and documented that he was able to, and this is the best bit I love, Ash, that he was able to build an entirely remote offshore team that took care of his entire loan process. So no onshore in you know, in Australia, local staff didn't have an office, anything like that, mapped out his process, went, this is what I need to deliver, mapped out a system that was foolproof to a point where 
he could train a really good offshore team to do it for him and with him. And, uh, I mean, the third point, of course, is the hardest where most people forget, fall down or quit. It's the fact that he spent two years building this process system and team and he didn't just build it over the course of a month. It was over two years and then a lot of, over that period, a lot of refinement and tweaking of the dials and managing and getting it all right to the point where two years later, he can show up, talk to somebody and leave. Um, a lot of people ask, they look at these case studies and think that, oh, that sounds easy. Just map out your loan process, systemize everything and you're good to go. It's not that easy, is it? It definitely isn't. And that should be taken as a positive. So you guys listening to this, don't be put off or don't be, don't feel pessimistic or negative in any way about the fact that we're saying it's not quite that easy. The fact that it takes some work and time should encourage you to feel positive. You should, your mindset should be very much okay. That means there is no miracle cure because if there was a miracle cure, someone would be selling it for a fortune and everyone would be doing it, right? The reason that it's uncommon is most people aren't prepared to do the work and some that are prepared to do the work don't get the right guidance on what is the correct work to actually do and in the right sequence. So this is where Sam started with us and it took a couple of years, regular game plans, regular coaching, regular updates, constant iteration of processes, all built around his desired outcome. I want to be a one-touch broker. I have one conversation with a client. Essentially, I win the business like, like a head surgeon. And then I have a team of support people who can do everything else without me. Now, that, that still possibly sounds too obvious, but the challenge and the opportunity is in baking that process in the right order and having the right guidance and support to execute it, execute it and customise it. And I think that's really where the right coaching structure and the right methodology to follow and, and to execute uh, on, a, uh, on a strategy and implementation process is key. Now, obviously, that's what we do. There's probably other coaches out there. But my point is that this is where, if you wanted to know where the secret source was, the secret source is in following a process, seeking help. And James, I'm sure you'd agree with this. Sam was very coachable. But that's one of one of the sort of key messages I think I would like to impart from this discussion, and we probably talk about it elsewhere, and that is that every single member that I've ever been involved with and coached, both in 10X and in, in my own history in the industry, one of the single most, if not the most common and important factor is they're coachable. They're open-minded and coachable. That's a very important mindset to hold um, when you are wanting to build a business to give you a particular outcome. Wouldn't you agree, James? Oh, yeah. I mean, you have to be coachable and open-minded. And, and Sam is a super smart guy, um, you know, switched on business owner. And he, he came to one of our uh, introductory events and the penny dropped for him at that event in terms of the model we shared in terms of building out his process and, and mortgage business with a particular uh, set of team that was required that he hadn't thought of before. Uh, so the penny dropped for him 
And, you know, I think I remember him even on the day, Ash, uh, I think it was either that day or very soon after, but I remember walking around the room and said g'day uh, to Sam at the back of the room in Sydney. And uh, I think he said to me something about, oh, that, that, that model that you um, mapped down, that's easily worth a few hundred grand to me. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it was him that said that. I definitely remember, have very clear memories of things like that. And obviously he joined us and got the more refined guidance over the next couple of years as he built that. And, um, yeah, it became an incredibly successful business. Um, but yeah, it, it all started with somebody with the right ambition and the right goal and plan in place and, yeah, did the work. One of the things that might be worth just revisiting a little bit too, James, you said something in your opening remarks around customization factor. I think this would be of real interest to listeners about the, you know, the one-touch broker model that Sam built. Now, he had a particular aspiration to, to have a business that required very little direct involvement, uh, direct involvement from him at um, some point in the future which he executed upon and which he achieved. But that's not necessarily the case for everyone. Some some people want to stay involved in their business. Some people want to keep writing loans, and that is okay. But you know what? The, the consistent theme is that you work that out as best you can up front and then build an execution plan and strategy that achieves that outcome, and it involves the same steps. They just get customised to you as far as what you want that cake to look like when you've baked it and you do it in the right order. So that's, I think, uh, definitely worth touching on again, James. I'm interested in your perspective on that, that, you know, it's like what you said about, you know, just copying somebody who's already successful and assuming that you'll replicate their success. Um, you know, I, I certainly haven't seen that occur in the real world. It might sound good in a soundbite or at an industry event, you know, no disrespect. I mean, we love our industry, but sometimes the the, the advice that's, um, you know, pitched at those events is very high level. You know, here's a super successful broker and all he did was this, this and this. You, you can do this too. What's missing in that is the customization, the strategy and the support to get it done. Yeah, that, that's true. I mean, the, yeah, uh, there's a, I mean, coaching is an interesting one because, um whether somebody has been successful at something doesn't mean automatically they'll be uh, good at telling other people uh, how to do the same. Um, you know, not everybody is a coach, Ash, you know, like you, you look in uh, the Olympics have just been on that might give away a little bit uh, as to when this is being recorded, but uh, you know, the Olympics was on this year and you'll note that every single person in the Olympics pretty much has a coach and I can guarantee you that most of those coaches in fact themselves were not Olympic athletes yes they're probably very deeply involved in those sports some of them may have competed but more often than not um, and whether Ash this goes for football teams soccer teams tennis coaches Olympic athlete coaches they're actually more than um not uh, from that particular discipline um, because there's a very diff big difference between doing and coaching. And that's where the real skill comes in because let's say Usain Bolt, 
the fastest guy to ever run 100 metres. I mean, maybe we'll never see someone in our lifetime run faster, but, you know, never say never. I mean, he might not be a good sprinting coach. What he does is incredible and he's the fastest guy ever, but it doesn't mean he might not be able to explain how to make other people faster. He might not be able to deconstruct it and he might be so narrow in his views of what made him successful that it won't actually make other people successful. So the art of customization and coaching is actually very different to somebody that was successful and now trying to get other people to basically copy what they did. Um, and that's why coming back to your point around having a custom goal and a custom plan, because it without that, you're just building something that will become a Frankenstein's monster, something that you don't actually want, or you'll go through a lot of extra effort and pain to build something that doesn't hit your goals in the end. I don't know if that answers your question, Ash, but I'll, oh, oh, uh, maybe it ends up as a good rant. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's always nuggets of gold in your rants, James. Um, but, you know, your point, just uh, from my perspective, uh, very quickly, is the very best players rarely make the very best coaches. I mean, that's, that's just a fact. And I, I think a lot of that comes down to the very best players have this unrealistic expectation that everyone they coach will be as good as them, and find, you know, which is just unrealistic. And I think there's a danger of that in, um, you know, in our industry, the mortgage broking industry, you know, just because somebody's built a mega big business and has won every award and doesn't make them a great coach. Often it can be the opposite because they don't have the patience or the uh, self or the insights to be able to customize what's required for individual people. So it's a really good point you make. Um, the other thing that I think we might want to just quickly touch on is, you know, the concept of one touch. I know we've, we sort of mentioned it a few times that with what Sam built and we've talked a lot about, you know, the coaching and the guidance and the process he went went through. But maybe, uh, James, it might be, and I'll throw this to you, you know, to describe what that actually looks like in real terms in, in Sam's particular instance. Because I think it would be fair to assume that a lot of listeners are thinking, oh, but that's not possible. One, one touch, you only speak to the customer once for 10 or 15 or 20 minutes or, or, or maybe an hour and you have no further involvement with that customer. I mean, is, is that realistic, do you think? <laughs> That's a good question, yeah. And I guess everybody's business is slightly different, um, but it, it is realistic. Um, I guess for most brokers, we want to get as close to one touch as possible, as we know. I mean, like, if you're having to handle files multiple times, and you're having to get involved multiple places throughout the loan process, it just becomes more inefficient. It makes more sense for the key broker, the key person in the business to stay out the front of the ship, to build the partnerships and get the leads and the referrals in the door and meet the clients, as in speak to clients and do what you do best, which is winning business. Um, we know that after that point of winning business, the researching of the loan options, the preparing of a credit proposal, the processing of that loan, the following up the client and the bank, getting things to settlement. The, the broker does not need to be involved with that. If processes and systems are watertight, then the broker doesn't need to be involved. Where, As we know, in a lot of mortgage businesses, the broker's out the front of the ship, 
they're seeing the clients, they're wheeling and dealing, but they then jump in backstage constantly. They jump in and have to follow up the client because there's a fire and the paperwork's not back in time and the lender needs something extra. Um, the That's essentially what we want to get to is in a production line, when the car goes through the stages in the car line, the you know the, the, the guy or the girl at the front of the line isn't running down the production line to affix the mirror and then adjust the <laughs> adjust the seat. Mm. <laughs> Are they? It's like they do their no. job and then they know that once it leaves their station, the rest of the production line works. And it takes some time to build that production line. But Correct. and maybe and maybe the production line is built in a U where the key broker does their work and it's built in a U where it goes away from them and it bends back and it comes all the way back. So just before that car is about to leave the production line, they do the once over and check it and sign it off. So we know that might be required for a mortgage business where you as the key broker might need to sign off on certain things, or you might want to double check the work has been prepared correctly. Um, But we want to do this as close to one touch as possible. It is possible, but it's um, it's no yeah. it's no mean feat. I would like to issue our listeners with a it's it's a challenge of sorts, James. It, it, it's a it's a reflective challenge or an introspective challenge. I would I'd be interested in everyone's opinion. But I mean, this is not a chat show, so I guess you you know listeners, you're going to have to come back through um, interacting um, you know with comments. But I'd be interested in anyone's opinion. And I'm talking to brokers who've been in the industry a little while and, you know, are, are pretty competent. Okay. How long do you think you need talking to any given customer or prospect to win the business? Right? How long do you think it, that actually takes? That's, just a, that's the question I would like to pose at the centre of this discussion. Out of the hours and hours and hours that we know goes into the A to Z of generating a lead and then settling a loan on average, how many of those hours and hours and hours are required to actually win the business from you? Well, it's a great question. Oh. It's, it, and if we can you imagine, Ash, if we had like the, the open phone lines and it's like, hi, it's James here, first time caller, long time listener. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was listening to um, uh, Frazier then. Okay. But anyway, yeah. that's showing my age a little bit. Uh, it's a really good yeah. point, though, don't you think that? I think if you look at it from this perspective, and I, I, look, to give Kitty away a little bit here, I, I don't think any competent um, broker would think they need more than about 10 minutes, right? You know, winning the business is, and we talk about this a lot, James, in our trusted advisor process and elsewhere, is the actual winning of the business happens in a couple of minutes. You know, you know, once you get to the you know, uh, here's my proposal, uh, this is what I recommend, are we going ahead or, or whatever your sort of strategy or process looks like. But I would argue that the actual time from any given broker that's involved in directly winning the business, so to speak, is 10 minutes, maybe 20 at most. So my second question following on the first question is, why are you spending any of your valuable time on anything else in the process? Oh, yes. So true. Um, we, we probably should leave it there and just let our listeners ponder because they know this is a real case study. The one-touch broker, 
10, 15 minutes to win the business. Doesn't mean you can do the deal in 10 minutes, but you win that business to then go away and do the work to produce the loan and get paid at the end of the day. But you're winning or losing that deal in the first <clears throat> few minutes. So this one touch broker is completely doable. And uh, we've, I guess, set the challenge to see who can replicate this system in their business. And I guess we'll leave everyone, Ash, to ponder that question of how long does it take you to win the business? And if it's only 10, 15 minutes, what are you doing researching loans and processing loans and all the other stuff that goes on behind the scenes when you should just be out winning more business? That is the question to ponder. And when you solve that question, that is where serious mortgage businesses are built. Right, Ash? Oh, and great and great lifestyles, great, great um, expressions of freedom and money and lifestyle are all derived from that place when the penny drops and we go, you know what? Out of these 10 hours or 15 hours per file, I only really need to be involved in one of those hours. And then that drives every other decision-making, all the decision-making, I should say. That drives every other um, contemplation in your workflow is putting systems and team in place that do the other 95% of the work. Um, To get there takes time, but that's what I would challenge all of our listeners to contemplate and come to that conclusion. And then if they need help on mapping it out and getting it done, well, pick up the phone and give us a call. That's right. That's where the work gets done. Totally doable. And that's where all the value and lifestyle freedom benefits are too, just like Sam. So hope you've enjoyed this one, listeners. Um, I believe, you know, if you search online, we would have a real video case study from Sam. So if you head over to one of our sites, I'm sure you can find that somewhere on the internet. Um, But otherwise, Ash, in terms of this podcast, let's put a wrap on this one. And listeners, looking forward to seeing you next week, as always. And likewise, Ash, looking forward to seeing you next week. Till next time, James. Been a good one. Have a good week. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining this episode of Mortgage Broker Acceleration. It's now time to grow your mortgage business, your income, and your lifestyle too. If you want to accelerate and learn from the best, head over to brokerworkshop.com and join the next deep dive training with James and Dash. That's www.brokerworkshop.com. Until next time, go get them.